every day there's someone asking what is there to do should I love or should I fight is it all the same to you no I say I have the answer proven to be Share it with you, you would stand to gain and I'd lose. Oh, I couldn't bear it, so I've got nothing to That was Jethro Tull with Nothing to Say, off the Benefit album. Well, I guess over the past few weeks, I wish there were some people that had nothing to say, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, Mitch McConnell, and a number of other Republicans that spoke up during and after the impeachment hearing. Listen how misunderstood. Marjorie Taylor Greene was during her time commenting in front of Congress. And the rest of the mainstream media is portraying me. What you don't know about me is that I'm a very proud wife of almost 25 years, that I'm a mother of three children, and I consider being a mother the greatest blessing of my life and the greatest thing that I'll ever achieve. I'm proudly the first person to graduate college in my family, making my parents very happy and proud. I'm also a very successful business owner. We've grown our company from one state to 11 states. I'm a very hard worker. I've always paid my taxes. I've never been arrested. I've never done drugs, but I've gotten a few speeding tickets in my day. What you need to know about me is I'm a very regular American. A very regular American? That's interesting, based on some of the comments that she's made. But, oh, she's so humble. She's such a humble person. But listen to how humble she is the next day after getting booted off the committees. Free speech really matters. And yesterday, when the Democrats and 11 of my Republican colleagues decided to strip me of my committee assignments, Education and Labor and the Budget Committee, you know what they did? They actually stripped my district of their voice. They stripped my voters of having representation to work for them for the budget. Her district, hmm. I think about that and I think, I wonder what her district is like to have elected somebody like her. I often think maybe, maybe I should take a drive there and look, see what kind of people would elect her as their representative. I almost visualize it being like a one of those wildlife safaris where you have to stay in your car the whole time. You don't want to get out because it could be dangerous. But just to tour that area to see what in the right mind were these people thinking when they elected her to the Congress. And of course, Miss Humble certainly changed her attitude the day after she was booted out of committees. I was in the chamber, unlike... AOC, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, 
that faked her outrage with another hoax. Just another hoax that gets shared everywhere. You see, those kind of fake lies, like AOC, Representative Cori Bush telling people that I attacked her when in fact it was on video that she attacked me. This is the kind of fake outrage that is dividing our Congress along with the fake outrage on the news every single day that's dividing our people. Dividing our people? Geez, what have you been doing since you've been spreading those QAnon crazy conspiracy theories? So she goes from sounding oh so contrite while she's speaking to Congress to the next day which she goes back to her usual crazy conspiracy theory attitude. But enough of her. Now let's look at my old buddy Mitch McConnell. Let's listen to what Mitch McConnell said the night of the authorization of the Electoral College, of course, after the day of rioting. But my colleagues, nothing before us proves illegality anywhere near the massive scale, the massive scale that would have tipped the entire election. Nor can public doubt alone justify a radical break when the doubt itself was incited without any evidence. Old Mr. Sincerity himself, Mitch McConnell. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. And they tried to use fear and violence to stop a specific proceeding of the first branch of the federal government, which they did not like. But we pressed on. We stood together and said an angry mob would not get veto power over the rule of law in our nation, not even for one night. We certified the people's choice for their 46th president. So he says all this. When he talks about the impeachment trial, he decides he wants to wait till after the inauguration. And he talks about, you know, he's considering the impeachment trial begins. They go through the testimony. They go through all that. He still tries to play the mystery game of whether or not he's going to vote for her. And when the vote comes... impeachment or not good old mitch oh he thinks that you know you really can't now who was the one that decided that he didn't want to start the impeachment hearings till after the inauguration is in office and of course the vote comes he votes against so typical mitch and then what does he say after the vote has been cast Stating that it should have happened before he was out of office january 6 was a disgrace American citizens attacked their own government. They used terrorism to try to stop a specific piece of domestic business they did not like. Fellow Americans beat and bloodied our own police. They stormed the Senate floor. They tried to hunt down the Speaker of the House. They built a gallows and chanted about murdering the vice president. They did this because they'd been fed wild falsehoods by the most powerful man on earth. 
because he was angry he lost an election. Former President Trump's actions preceded the riot were a disgraceful, disgraceful dereliction of duty. Of course, he drones on and on about how Trump was responsible, but yet votes against impeachment. This guy totally has no moral standing whatsoever. Anything he says or does is for his own self-interest. He's a pathetic human being. I could go on and on and spend all day talking about my disgust with Mitch McConnell. But what I really want to talk about was this whole situation with the vaccinations. I was talking to some friends and I kind of was half jokingly talking about like, how can we get this vaccination situation under control and how can we get it distributed to people that need it, particularly in poor areas of the country? And I mentioned this idea of like, well, you know, I remember as a kid with Mr. Softy and how Mr. Softy and my mother hated Mr. Softy because when we were real little, she would try to put us down for a nap in the summertime and no sooner did that happen than the sound of the Mr. Softy truck would come around the neighborhood. And of course, all of us kids wanted to run to Mr. Softy to get our ice cream. And I began to think, geez, why couldn't we do the same thing and set up, particularly if the Johnson & Johnson vaccine gets approved, why can't we set up sort of like Mr. Softy with having these trucks mobilized to go into neighborhoods to distribute the vaccine? Though I was kind of joking about this at first, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense to me. And I began to think about the initiation of the War Production Act. Now, if you go back to World War II, when FDR first initiated the War Production Act, its purpose was to convert factories from peacetime industries into producing weapons and military equipment. It was an amazing feat that was accomplished at that time. Just for example, during that time, there was approximately 3 million automobiles manufactured before 1941. During the entire war, only 139 cars rolled off the assembly line. Instead, automobile makers built guns, trucks, tanks, and aircraft engines. For example, Lionel Train Company, the toy train company, started producing items for warships, including compasses. Ford Motor Company produced B-24 bombers. Alcoa, the aluminum company, produced airplanes. By the end of World War II, half the wartime industry production was from the United States. So with this in mind, I thought, if we could do that back then, how could we use that War Production Act to move forward with producing, say, Mr. Softy-like trucks? for distribution of the vaccine. Since the particularly the Johnson Johnson doesn't require the refrigeration that the other two vaccinations require, why not put that production into building or converting large vans into distribution centers for the vaccine that could travel through major cities and rural areas and distribute vaccines. The other part of this is just trying to sign up to get a vaccine. It's so crazy making and there's no organization. What I think needs to happen is let's pull some bright minds together that are very tech savvy and build a nationwide database of people that need to be vaccinated, those that have been vaccinated, and feed all this in instead of states one by one trying to figure this out why not come up with a solution where you have a national database of people so that we can keep track of who has gotten it who has it and make this situation a little bit more organized and once again due to the disorganization due to the inadequate availability it points out again 
why it's important to really consider some type of universal health care. If nothing else, this pandemic has showed what we lack in our health insurance industry, that turning it from a healthcare industry into a profit-making situation only exasperates the problem. And it has been pointed out in this whole pandemic how this has really rung true. So what started out as kind of a joke about Mr. Softy Trucks, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense, particularly into the poor areas where you don't have the local pharmacies. They're kind of grocery store and pharmacy deserts, that this would be a great way to get the vaccine to people that need it the most. So let's truly use this War Powers Act to begin to put together some kind of plan that will be effective to get the vaccine to everyone. Unlike our previous president who tried to talk to people into thinking that he was a wartime president and then did absolutely nothing besides play golf and ignore the situation. Let's have a situation now that we really can move forward and that's effective in taking care of people in this country. So something to think about. Well, that's it for this podcast. Stay safe. Hopefully we'll all be vaccinated soon. Here comes Mr. Softy, the soft ice cream man. The creamiest, creamiest soft ice cream you get from Mr. Softy. For refreshing delight to breathe, look for Mr. Softy. My milkshakes and my sundaes and my cones are such a treat. Listen for my store on wheels jingling down the street. The creamiest, creamiest soft ice cream you get from Mr. Softy. For refreshing delight to breathe, look for Mr. Softy. S-O-F-T-Double-E, Mr. Softy. Mr. Softy brings delicious treats right to your door. Luscious, tempting sundaes. Thick, rich milkshakes. Big, creamy, smooth banana boats. And cones filled way above the top with your favorite Mr. Softy flavor. Watch for the Mr. Softy truck. It's a soft ice cream store on wheels. S-O-F-T-Double-E, Mr. Softy.